can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Make your voice heard. Join the council for the Model Aquatic Health Code. Lend your expertise to the MAC, science-based guidance from the CDC and the only all-inclusive National Pool Code that addresses current aquatic issues. Learn more at cmac.org. That's cmahc.org. Okay, I'm back. Welcome back. I have no idea what he ate. It was green. (laughs) And it's St. Patrick's Day is long enough ago. It shouldn't be uh, green beer, right? He's still a puppy, I guess. Yeah. You still a puppy? You feel better now? Okay. Back to heaters. Back to heaters. So anyway... Follow the rules, follow the guides, have the tools, do it the right way, right? Pretty much. And then there's a whole nother world because I live in California. (laughs) So obviously talking about heaters, we have to talk about natural gas ban in California. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think... California should just rule the world. You know, two weeks ago it was pool lights are the end all be all. They're going to cause, you know, hurricanes and floods and mudslides and every other catastrophe you can think of. So we got to ban pool lights unless they're LED. So all that inventory you got sitting on yourself, throw it in a dumpster, take it off the shelf, get it out of the warehouse, just throw it away. It's all crap. It's no good. You can't sell it anymore. And uh, what you're telling me is California's going to do the same thing with all my natural gas heaters, huh? Pretty much. Oh. So there are currently 50 cities and counties that have banned natural gas on new builds and on um, renovations over a certain a certain size. Mm-hmm. They want to have all electrical appliances. It's supposed to be better for the planet. Sure. I'm still not understanding that concept because doesn't it take, you know, oil, for example, to make electricity? Yeah, coal, oil, nuclear power. There's all kinds of, you know, different ways. Windmills. That's, you know, we're just going to have windmills in our backyards that uh, are going to power everything. Have you so seen how big those windmills panels. are? It's not a pro. Don't worry about it. It doesn't hurt anything. Oh, don't worry that about those birds. Massive. Those birds that fly into them and get killed. That thing's going to hit my know. kid. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and don't and don't worry about the the typical 20 year lifespan of the windmill and then when it gets you know decommissioned it goes into a landfill somewhere that's not bad for the environment or anything like that but we digress so big places is the bay area here in california so it's like san francisco san jose marin county all of that did you know that la county is going to be going no natural gas here this year this year this year and that's for anything new being built right yes so So, what we're going to get is a black market for natural gas neighbors with existing (laughs) stuff they're going to be running pipes underground tunneling into the house and you know pumping gas in on the side maybe they'll start restricting gas like they restrict water on us here you know you only get so many gallons a day you can use probably um yeah everything i saw it said that they were going to start that the 1st of April, but it was also proposed to start, not start that till June to give a little bit yeah. more time. So it's not happening just yet, but it is coming in the horizon. So how are we supposed to heat our spas? Um, you get a lot of trees by you, don't you? Oh, where I live? Yeah, tons of trees. Yeah. Okay. So just cut the trees down. Oh, but then we're going to kill the owl. There's this owl that the environmentalists uh, care about that's going to be endangered. We kill all the trees. You know what? <laughs> um, maybe you should do like most everyone else in California and move to Texas or Florida or something like that so you don't have to deal with it. To be honest, I can't. I just can't. Yeah, I know. Like people are like, oh, it's so expensive. Just move to all these places. But I love how... The snow is two hours away. The beach is two hours away. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I, it's you know hard. We got, we got a beach south side of Lake Michigan. It's not even two hours away. <laughs> so, you know, you can move yeah, here to you, Illinois. But you guys have a swim season of four months. <laughs> we, Yeah, but we get to turn our heaters on and make it a little bit longer. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do out there? Well, I guess uh, heat pumps will be a big thing. I d- I love heat pumps. Like they work really well where I live. You know, we get 10 months out of the year guaranteed with a heat pump. Good. That's actually, that is, that is great. Cause a heat pump is a very efficient. And now I don't know how compared, I know in California, you guys are paying like 30 cents a kilowatt hour for, right. for power. We're here in Illinois, we're somewhere between 13 and 15 cents. That um, would be nice. I don't know, you know, how the math works out I'm, I'm guessing even at 30 cents it's still more cost efficient to use a heat pump than to run uh natural gas but i don't know oh, what yeah. you're paying for natural gas out there it's got to be more than i'm we're paying here too so um there's there's a reason that they're prevalent in markets where the climate uh allows them to be efficient and honestly where we're at in chicago you know, you you go three hours south of us, and and it's huge heat pump market. Like there's that much difference in the average ambient air temperature throughout the year to make them a viable thing on most pools. Not far from us. You get down near St. Louis, a little bit more than three hours away. Uh, Kansas City, and and those are big areas for heat pumps too. Yeah, they work great here. Um, I like to sell them instead of solar. I think that they're more energy efficient compared to solar because 
you have a two-story house, you're going to have to run your your pump, even if it's a variable speed, fast enough to get up on that two-story house. Yeah. Which is going to be more energy. You're going to do it during peak times because, you know, peak times are, you know, when it's actually warm out, when yeah. the sun's out. Um, I don't like the idea, like, if someone wants solar, okay, whatever. Hear about the price to do solar and a heat pump are about the same. Um, I like the idea that if I'm having something leak, it's not on my roof. Yeah. That you don't know is leaking. Yeah. And if you ever need your roof redone, then you got to pay to get the solar pulled down so you can get the roof redone and then put solar back up, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there is almost almost no solar used. Uh, I, I remember a couple of systems. 35 years ago when I first started doing this that were out there, CAFCO had some stuff in our market. I don't remember the hows or whys. I think they were just trying to, to get in this area and uh, there were there were some out there, but most of anything that we would see that you would want to say is solar isn't really a solar system. It's a hodgepodge, bunch of crap that some homeowner threw together thinking that they were going to make their own solar. Out of, <laughs> I've know. seen that. Black you spent a hundred grand on, on your pool and you decided and, yeah. to do this. Yeah. Uh, what did the guy say? It's the solar that they use in Africa. That's what he told me. Oh yeah. Like, Imported oh, straight from there. That's that's kind of cool. You know, I thought when I was building my house, I got a blacktop driveway, and I always thought when uh, you know it'd be cool to run a bunch of pipe through that the blacktop. You know, just links of it running from across the width and then manifold it in on each side and, and run piping to that. and from the pool. But I, the, have you ever seen that? I've actually seen no, that. Have you? To yeah. me, I think that makes great sense. The problem Twice. is that the driveway is completely kitty corner opposite end of my property from the pool. So, so I'm talking probably 200 feet one way to get. Yeah from my pool probably more than that actually probably 250 feet one way to get from my pool to my driveway so the ones that i saw they did it in the deck around the pool yeah years ago there was an indoor pool um i'm I'm sure it's still there I, i we've not done anything there for a long long time but they some engineer that that owned the house when he had the pool put in ran the piping through the walls that were common between the house and the pool room and it would draw some of the heat from the house that would otherwise be lost within those walls into the pool in the wintertime is what he what his concept was you know it was like a big radiator so to speak to absorb the heat that <laughs> that would have been just lost but uh I think that was probably a stretch. So when it comes to heat pumps, there are some things you need to know. Don't oversell. Please don't oversell. Do not set your customer up for disappointment. I know I have customers who use it all year round and it works. Am I telling my customer when I sell it to them that it's going to work on New Year's Day? Nope. You will, depending on what you have to really look at where you live, where I live, you can get 10 months out of the year of swim season with a heat pump. But you're not going to get that everywhere. You'll get that probably in Arizona. 
Florida. You probably get even more like a longer season than I do in Florida. But if you're in Washington, maybe not. Yeah. Um, they are not small. No. They are large. They are as big as an AC unit, if not bigger. So you really need to make sure that you have the space for it. You need to have plenty of ventilation around that heat pump to be able to pull the amount of air it needs in order to get the humidity out of it. Um, Hayward, you need like a three foot clearance in the front, but that's mainly to get the cover off. I had a customer, we put a heat pump in, he decided to put a wall around his equipment and guess what? We will never be able to get that door cover off of that heat pump because yeah. he put it three inches in front. Now on the outside, you need, depending on the manufacturer, about two feet. Okay. So that it can get plenty of airflow. If you don't, you can run risk of it icing up. Mm-hmm. Um, not getting, not being as efficient and getting the heat you're looking for. Um, what else? I guess my biggest thing is just don't oversell. Like, don't say it's going to heat your heat your spa up in 45 minutes because it's not. It's more of a constant temperature. You know, yeah, the manufacturers, I've seen them say, oh, it will take three to four hours to heat a spa to 102. But that is in the absolutely ideal condition, which is like the 80-80-80 rule. So 80 degrees, 80% humidity, and I can't remember the other one. Also, it takes a lot of electricity. It needs, depending on the the manufacturer and the model you're using, about a 50 amp service. Which means when you are putting out an existing pool, 95% of the time you are going to have to upgrade the electrical from the main panel to the equipment pad. And that 50 amp service can only be on the heat pump by itself. It can't be a heat pump and a filter, a heat pump and a lighter, whatever. It has to be on it by itself, which means my contractor's license and my comfortability. I have my friend who's an electrician help me with that part because I'm, I know how to pull electrical from the main. I don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, you want to build a bypass on it. Do, I know you know what a bypass is. Do you think others do? Probably. What What is the purpose of a bypass on a heat pump? You can only have so much water go through it. And if you have too much, it's not going to last as long. So you have to regulate the water going into it. Also, you can winterize it. That's another reason. Winterize it. Meaning in the cold months where it will not work, just uh, cut off the water from going in it and damaging it. Because of the colder temperatures, a lot of times water is more aggressive and you don't want to damage it to where it could crack or, you know, bad things. Right. I got a question for you on that because I hear that comment a lot, even with gas heaters, and I hate bypasses on gas heaters. Hate it to the point that. If my technicians find one out there, we get rid of them because okay. they are um, problemsome in two two ways. One, 
not relative to what what you just said in terms of cold water and aggressiveness, but um, one homeowners screw up by playing with the damn thing That's way true. too much and cause problems. But the other part of it is in our market, people destroy heaters because they don't take care of their water chemistry. Trichlor tablets, low pH, low alkalinity, the heater becomes a fountain. So they feel that if they find their water is imbalanced, they can close off the heater and save it from damage, right? Not that different than what you're saying about cold water going through the heater. And, you know, cold water certainly is more aggressive if we look at LSI, blah, 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 blah. But if I've got shitty water inside a heater because the pool water is shitty and unbalanced, and I close the valves off, I'm just trapping that crappy water in the heater, right? If my pool is 6.8 pH, my water in the heater is 6.8, I'm gonna close that that valve off and bypass the heater and trap that 6.8 in the heater while I'm fixing the pool. So that heater is actually being damaged more so than if I let the water go through it as I'm treating the pool and fixing it. So I thought of that, and that's why me and my dad put spigots on it. <laughs> so you can drain it out? Okay. Yep. That would work. The, that the would biggest work. the biggest reason for the bypass is to not have too much water flow going into that heat pump. Yeah. And somewhere for the water that that you may need for right. another piece of equipment. No, I, I, heat, pumps, heat pumps have to have a bypass to be able to regulate the water flow through it. But that's really the reason for the bypass on a heat pump. It's not because of wanting to shut it off because of a water balance issue. It's to be able to dial in the flow through that heat pump to get the most efficient heating and heat transfer and and all those things that you had mentioned. Um, So the way you, now I think we also have to say how to do a bypass for people who don't know because you know I don't see a lot of bypasses on things but what I do is I'll get a three-way valve and I'll use it as a T mm-hmm. and then coming out of the heat and that's going into the heat pump and then coming out of the heat pump I put a, a check valve so that when that water is diverted it's not going back into the heat pump in a different direction. Right. And and that's a way of doing it that homeowners are, are it'd be pretty tough for a homeowner to screw it up. I guess what we could do is just take the handle off once you set it to where it needs to be. Yeah, but inevitably they get a pair of pliers, channel locks, they find a handle from another valve. I mean, there, there are all kinds of things they do because they think they're smarter than us and and screw it up. But, um, yeah, that, that way of doing it is, is a way that, you know, but when I see people use three valves, yeah. And and do, you know, the, the whole H kind of thing and put three valves in there and that's just a problem waiting to happen because homeowners are going to screw around with it or a less competent pool person, right? Well, th- having three valves is ridiculous in my that's t- That costs too much. Yeah, right. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And having three valves... The water could still go back the other direction. Yes. It, well, 
they're yeah they're all kinds of if, if you don't have them all set the way to do what you want them to do because you don't yeah. know what they're doing yeah you could definitely have the close the inlet open the bypass open the outlet you're still gonna have water go backwards in the heater and, and fire the heater without any flow through it now so. one thing people don't understand is heat pumps you can't put GFI breaker on. And I did right. look at, and people pointed out that's not safe. We have to put them on, you know, all pumps. However, I did look it up. Right. <laughs> and Kelly, the queen it, of research. <laughs> when it comes to heat pumps, it does not fall into the same category as a filter pump. If you have a 30 amp or less service on a two pole breaker, it has to be on a GFCI breaker. Anything above it does not need to be on a GFCI breaker. And the, from my understanding, the reason why heat pumps will trip the breaker if it's a GFCI is because of the way it turns itself on. Yeah. And and actually, the NEC code is written that, and specifically because of heat pumps to exclude heat pumps, mm -hmm. And the the language I'm trying to remember exactly. I, I could pull it up to know, but it's I want to say it's that anything less than 150 volts has to be on a GFI. Yep. But if it's in excess of 150 volts, it doesn't. And since all heat pumps are 230 volts, they never operate at 150. It excludes the heat pump from that uh, provision requiring the GFI. And believe me, I've had people went to one heat pump, it needs to be warranted. And the customer is telling me, hey, you know, also the installer had to, to put a bigger breaker on because it kept tripping. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. So then I go and look and it was a GFI breaker. Well, this guy put, I guess, a 50 amp GFI breaker on it, kept tripping. So then he went and put a 60 amp one kept tripping. So he put a 70 and then finally it was done. He just let it stop tripping. But what's the point of increasing the, the breaker size to where it doesn't trip when mm -hmm. that's supposed to be a safety feature? Well, and the 70 amp probably was no longer a GFI, right? It was. I swear it was. No, right. maybe he stopped at the 60. Yeah, I think the 60 is the biggest I've ever seen. They may make them bigger. I don't know. But. I told the customer, get rid of that. Yep. Like that's that's there's no that's point. That's the in problem. It. Yep. Um. So, do you ever see? We talked about gas. We talked about heat pumps. Do you ever see much in terms of electric heaters? And by that, I I mean, and this is something that is another one of those nail on the chalkboard kind of things. A heat pump is not an electric heater. No. Yeah, although it runs on a electric. A heat pump is a reverse air conditioner. Right. An electric heater in our industry is, when we say that, we're talking about electric immersion, which is what portable self-contained hot tubs used. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before rather. we get electric, there's one last thing we need to mention. What's that? If you have a leak in your heat pump, or you have to do anything with the Freon, even put uh, gauges on it, you cannot do that unless you have a universal EPA license to work with Freon. Okay. And that's a huge thing. You do any of that and someone catches you or reports you, it, you get fined up the ass. 
Well, and and Kelly is going to be getting hers pretty soon. So everyone in the Sacramento area can call <laughs> her and she'll come hook those gauges up for you. So that I know I've been, I've been studying it, it is a when you get the universal license, it's a closed book test. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I've been I'm like an overstudier until I feel I, I know it. But, yes, I do find yeah. that that is necessary, especially right. now that we're having these bands and we're going to have more heat pumps because there there's been many times in the last two years while I've been doing warranty. We had heat pumps that leaked. Sure. And instead of fixing it because it was an easy fix, maybe like a fitting or whatever, or we had to empty it because of the fitting, we just replaced the whole entire heat pump. Right. Well, eventually they're not going to find that to be the affordable way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point that when, when everything comes down and pumps are, there aren't going to be enough people to work on them. So it's a good area. And I know you, honestly, you have been looking at getting uh, what you need from your EPA licensing and so forth to be able to, to do that. And I think that's a great thing because it's going to be one of those niche areas in our industry that's going to be in a huge, huge demand well, in a few years. When they get out of warranty and it's something as simple as, you know, fix this part, refill it. Or here, vacuum this out, then fix the part and fill it back mm -hmm. up. Or even putting the gauges on. Not everybody's going to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to buy a new heat pump. No, they're right. not cheap. They're, you know, I charge almost $7,000 for just sure. the heat pump. Right. You know, that's not a cheap thing. People are going to want to fix it before they replace it. Yep. If they can find someone qualified who's who's able to do it, and that'll, that'll be you because you're forward thinking and, and preparing and wanting to be able to do that kind of stuff. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you're, you brought that up. I had forgotten about that actually. Again, we don't, <laughs> well, well, we don't see many heat pumps, so I, I really don't think about them much. I mean, I, I think yeah. out of our customer base of some 30,000, 35,000, whatever customers in our database, we probably have five. It's just, they're, they're not there. Yeah. But, uh, no, good point. Well, and they're starting to get, you know, to the point where um, Hayward's uh, variable speed heater is a heat cool unit. And now it has a four pin connection. One of those RS, mm -hmm. what, 385s? Is that it? Um, uh, was I close? Uh, I call them the four pin connector, the black one. Yes. Um, 485 uh, RS. Okay. Yes. RS numbers. I was I close. Um, but where the automation is going to be able to heat it Control and cool the, it. Yeah, right. Well, and, and Pentera's had a, uh, a hybrid heater for a handful of years now um, where it does, it's both a heat pump and a, and yeah. a gas heater. Um, the gas heater side of it, I think, is like 125,000 BTU. Yeah, it is. And the heat pump, uh, I don't think it was 100. I, I think, think it was. Yeah, it was somewhere. Yeah, right. Somewhere less. Um, they, I actually, my pool is too big or I would have put one on to see how it does in our climate and so forth. But. That if there was no point, I would I would have to put like four of them on my pool to now, be able to get a true. 
Kelly and Dan will be right back after these messages. Have you heard there is a group of pool service professionals nationwide that are here to help grow and protect your business? The Independent Pool and Spa Service Association, known as IPSA, is here to help you. By joining the largest trade organization created by and for pool and spa service techs, you gain access to industry networking opportunities, exclusive educational offerings, IPSA's Tech for Tech route coverage, and more. So be independent, supported, and part of a professional community. Go to IPSSA.com to learn how to be a member of IPSA today. Here's another another thing. When I go to sell a heat pump, I make sure to use some sort of calculator. They all have one. My favorite is AquaCal. They have a great one where you put how big the pool is, you know, all the dimensions, depth. You even plug in the customer's uh, electric costs. Okay. Yeah. Or solar costs, and you can show them how much it's going to cost them to run it. When you use the manufacturer's calculators that do that, that's a guaranteed sell, at least for me, because you're able to show them what they're going to save in order to be able to meet what they want. Yeah. You know, I guess the sizing of things when we're talking about gas heaters, we never really talked about the sizing. You know, all, all Bigger heaters. is not always better <laughs> if well, you don't have the gas capacity. Right. If you don't have to guess. And that's what we run into a lot um, of homeowners. And, and this is the DIY stuff. You know, hopefully the professionals that are listening to us are, are more in tune to this. But if someone's got a 200,000 BTU heater sitting there and it's old and junk and they want a new one and they say, yeah, can, can you give me a bigger one? And you just run out there with a 400,000 and put it in. That's not always a smart thing to do because the. Uh, Odds are really, really high that the gas line that was put in for the original 200,000 BTU mm-hmm. heater is only big enough for that heater, if it was even big enough for that heater, based on some of the things we were talking about earlier. Right. And, you know, you go run out there with a 400, you'll you'll pull out of the driveway and it'll work. Just like we said, the car running on low octane fuel will run for a while before it craps out. Right. That heater may actually work before you leave. It may not. It may not even fire, but it may work. And in a short period of time, it's going to start experiencing problems and you're going to chase your tail and eventually find out that, oh, there isn't enough gas. And then I would also say when you install your heaters, check and see what the the numbers are with the manometer. Yeah. So that way, if something happens later on, you're like, okay. We've got it recorded. Yep. Yeah. They can't accuse you of, oh, this never worked. You can be like, no, it worked. Right. We 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 require all of our technicians to do that on every every install. And uh, you know, you'd be surprised how many times um, people add a fireplace, a fire pit, an outdoor kitchen, and they tap off of our gas line for the pool heater to do it. Yep. And and they run gas to a, a room addition or you know who knows what, stealing away from the gas that was there when we put the thing in, and now it's it's different. So we do, we, we actually, with the manometers I was talking about, they're digital. So the guys will actually take a picture of it as well as, you know, record it in our notes as to what the the readings were. So we've got them for historical value to prove that it was right when we were done. Okay. So I guess is when you jump back to electric heaters. Yep. So electric immersion heaters. I don't know if you see them much by you in the city of Chicago. It's actually one. It's it's actually pretty prevalent. There's um, there's boy tons of indoor 
pools as well as hot tubs that have uh, coats is the one brand name that we see most in these things. And they're um, the, the one thing about electric immersion is it is uh, much more efficient in terms of e- uh, efficiency relative to heat transfer into the water. So 100% of the heat ends up in the water. There's nothing yep. lost. Where with gas, some of that heat coming out, the flue is lost heat. It's not going in the pool. Um, and even with uh, heat pumps, they're not 100% efficient, right? They're they're is some loss that occurs there but with electric whatever you put in is what goes in the water but you can't get real big um and if if you haven't already listened to our 43 part electrical series <laughs> we did uh one day earlier this year you you might revisit some of those episodes but um the, i think the largest i've ever seen is somewhere around 54 maybe 58 kilowatts okay um and you know if we wanted to do the math on it uh most of those when you get into these bigger kilowatt heaters they're running on three phase power yeah it's no longer single phase it's three phase which reduces the amperage considerably but even so uh i could pull up the charts and see but a 58 kilowatt folks heater is probably could it be 70 amps, 80 amps, something like that, maybe more um, in a three-phase unit? And with that, do you know what the conversion from kilowatts in terms of BTUs, because most of us understand BTUs, what that, how those relate? I know, have no idea. Like I said, I think I've seen one yeah. electric so, heater, and I didn't do anything with it. One kilowatt is the equivalent of basically 3,413 BTUs. So that very large 58 kilowatt heater is only about 200,000 BTUs in terms of gas. Okay. Um, And I'm going to look up because now I'm curious myself because it's been a while since I've seen one of these. But uh, I'm so glad that we have the internet because if we wanted to look this stuff up, we would have to go to like the library. Yeah, right. Library is library. not open. What is a library? We, we do this. Did you know you can, um, you can go online and download books from the library to your Kindle? Oh, yeah. My wife does that all the time. She reads like crazy. She <laughs> See? She knows she, what the library is. Yeah, absolutely she does. But I I don't know how to read. So this is going to be a challenge <laughs> just trying to find this kilowatt amperage thing here. Um, but I got it. So... Coates has a 57 kilowatt heater that uses three ot wire. Um, three ot wire. Where is the amperage? I know it's a crap load. <laughs> Hayward has an electric heater. Yeah, like a six and a twelve, I think six kilowatt. Five and a half and an eleven. Okay, yeah, yeah. We've actually installed some of those units on uh, some really goofball. uh, And the only reason I I know this is because I happen to have the manual in from when I was looking up the heaters, the gas heaters. Okay. They're tiny. Yeah, they're they're actually 
very compact. Um, they're they're pretty nice little units. And Raypack makes one. Um, Hayward Raypack. Who else? Coates, of course, has them. Is Coates the one that's out of like Canada? Yeah, I don't remember honestly. Um, we get them like everything else in the world from Pool Corp. So. <laughs> Well, I see there's a 12 kilowatt one here that's 34 amps, three phase. So, you know, it's pretty much straight math at that. So it's going to be over 100 uh, amps if it's a. Here we go. Full load amps, 54 kilowatt, 480 volt. Oh, this is single phase, 260 amps. Most homes don't even, you know, most homes are running at like 200 amp service. So anyway, they, they, a lot of power, big wire, all that kind of stuff to get them to go. But in the city of Chicago, the buildings are all electric. They're running in three phase. They've got crap load of electrical servicing the city that, uh, that they're using to power these things. So it's, they're effective. Um, indoor pools, the pools are a lot of them. You know, most of the pools in the city of Chicago are not overly large, so okay. we're not dealing with, you know, Olympic-sized pools that they're heating with these things. They're smaller, gosh, 15 by 38, maybe 18 by 36, maybe four foot to five foot deep kind of stuff. So, and and they're running all the time, so once they get them up to temperature, maintaining it is something they can do fairly readily the heaters have multiple heating elements in them so if one of the heating elements goes bad there's still some heat being produced until you get out there and swap it out but there's not a whole lot to them safety circuits are similar to any other heater pressure switch thermostats high limits um contactors because of the amperage to actually do the switching of the final leg feeding the heating elements but pretty straightforward easy to troubleshoot easy to work on and um you know there's no venting so you don't have any of that kind of stuff to worry about and and all the rest of these things that we've been talking about with gas and with heat pumps too so um something else i i haven't seen much but i know they're builders there's one builder in in northeast that was doing this even on vinyl pools have you ever seen or heard of someone using radiant heat to heat a pool no doesn't mean that doesn't happen but i haven't yeah, the, the same radiant heat that you might put in a basement or a garage or, you know, I had mentioned earlier the, the weather tech uh, floor mat guy has it in yeah. his deck around the pool to keep the deck warm and the snow melted and all that kind of stuff. Um, there are some builders that are putting the radiant tubing through uh, gunite structures right in the okay. gunite. Um, but this uh, this other builder that I, I know of in the northeast was in the floor of the vinyl pool putting radiant heat in and, uh, you know, heating the pool that way, which, you know, everyone that does it claims it's very efficient. The heat comes from, you know, the bottom up, so it's efficient mm-hmm. that way. And the um, aspect of, like, in a, in a any of those pools, uh, gunite especially, though, when you get that gunite warm from the center of the gunite out, it 
retains a lot of that heat as opposed to it being drawn away from the pool because the gunite is cold because the ground is cold. It's kind of like going yeah. the other direction. But with that, you're also heating not only the gunite, but some of the ground around the pool that uh, offsets some of that otherwise loss, I think. But um, there's also we don't we've got a few of them out there, but there are uh, heat exchangers that can be tied into boilers. I've seen so, that. You know, it's the same kind of a principle of any zone on a boiler. When the pool calls for heat, it sends the the steam or the boiled, you know, water or fluid, whatever the, the solution is in the boiler, into an exchanger that is surrounding piping that the water for the pool is running through. Right. So it's hot water heating pool water, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of it, mostly because our industry isn't very adept at boilers. And if I've something seen isn't boilers working, on large pools in older like areas, like yeah. an older pool. Yeah, and that's usually, you know, we've got some areas up near one of the zoos, Brookfield Zoos, in in a town called Riverside, up near the city, and and very very old homes, and everything up there is radiant heat. You know, they, they, the old radiators in the homes to heat, you know, the big cast iron things in the hallway or whatever. So they tap off of that and put an exchanger in for the pool. Um, and then I, I had, I've never seen, we had one, we built an Infinity Edge pool on a water ski lake uh, 10 years or so ago. And when I was working with the architect and the homeowner, um, she wanted this house to be a very green thing you know okay. like, like california green right so <laughs> she was pretty insistent from the onset as was the architect that they were going to heat the pool with geothermal okay and how and, did they achieve that with a pool well geothermal draws heat basically out of the ground essentially right, right? and so are you digging like a big huge tunnel down to the core of the earth? Yeah, basically you're you're digging uh boring holes into the ground to be able to to you know put the plumbing in and draw the the heat out of the earth if you will. How and, deep did you have to make them? Well, they didn't do it and the reason okay. was when I was talking to him I said it's not practical. This woman had bought two lots adjacent one another and built this sprawling ranch to uh across both of them. And I said, you don't have enough property, even with two lots, for the number of bores that you're going to have to do to get the BTUs that we would put on this pool otherwise in gas. Yeah. And uh, he ended up, you know, going to the engineers and everything and came back and said, okay, we need gas heat because (laughs) it was it was going to be just they couldn't there wasn't enough ground on the property to be able to get the the heat that they would have needed to do geothermal. But other different ways, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll have uh, nuclear fission to heat pools, right? It'll <laughs> it'll be born out of California because of their de- desire to not have anything in the atmosphere okay. and all the rest Honestly, of it. Honestly, so. it's like, we'll call them the tree huggers are mainly in the Bay Area and like LA County. <laughs> it's not the whole state. It's, it's just but, part of the state. But they're the ones that are the driving force between. Because uh, those areas are so this, heavily populated, too. They have the numbers to outdo the rest. Yeah, of them. And, and they got 
they you know tend to have the money to be able to try and push the the but desires on everybody here else, was a, so. this was a highlight for my grandparents they bought a house in auburn with a beautiful view of like a forest i guess you can call it and you can see the lake from their top balcony and they never had to worry about it being developed because it was owned by this old old couple that was never going to develop it. And when they die, they're leaving it to their son, who was an environmentalist. Oh, sure. So that's where it has worked out for someone's benefit when you <laughs> don't want them to put a house behind your house. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Well, you know, like I said, yesterday, pool lights, today, gas heaters, tomorrow. What's it going to be tomorrow? Don't know what it's going to be tomorrow. It'll be something chemical wise. Yeah. I don't know. You know, the, the newest Pentair uh, IntelliFlow pump, the I, yeah, I3 I, or whatever they call it. Do you know that was built because of California? I can believe that. That that pump, uh, as, as rumor has it, the government has the ability of shutting it down. I think they, that's every pump, though, if you think about it. Well, it's only At least if the every house pump has a that's smart connected meter. to. All our houses have smart meters. Not in Illinois. <laughs> We're not there yet. But, My house uh, has a smart meter. Yeah. My thermostat, I get a discount on my bill to allow the gas, the electric company to change my temperature when I'm not home. Yeah. Shut your air conditioning off in the summer. Yeah. and Sure. But they, well, but they say when I'm not home, I'm like, okay, if it's when I'm not home, I don't really care. Yeah. And and they know that because they have cameras hidden in your house all over the place to know if you're <laughs> home too. So, you know, just don't don't worry. You you have your your own uh, OnlyFans page that you didn't even know about. <laughs> oh great! I hope I hope I get some government sponsor. Profits. Is that is that how they is that their newest goal to get us out of uh, debt? Yeah, yeah, they get us out one way or another. But well, anyway. I think this was a great episode. To be honest, it may turn into two. Yeah, we'll have to see what Rudy thinks. But, yep, as usual, we tend to go on and on about things, don't we? Yes. <laughs> um, I think our next piece of equipment would be what? Uh, chemical feeders? Chemical feeders sounds awesome, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that will be our next one. I know we say it's like a four-part series and we end up with a gazillion, but it's only to benefit you guys. That's right. Um, and you can uh, talk all about uh aop mm -hmm. right and uh orp and what other p can we talk about oh, ph we'll have to we'll have to research all the p's for our next episode call it the p episode yep <laughs> all right oh, well, well thank you guys for listening Please. Thanks, everyone, and thanks to our sponsors, to uh, IPSA and, and CMAC, and, and for all that they do for the industry, not only not only for Kelly and I here on Tuesdays, but for the, the industry as a whole. Um, yeah. It's amazing. I, I you know, in, in talking with uh, uh, the folks from CMAC last week, I certainly learned a lot and love everything about that organization and what they're the fact that they they let us have a voice i think is yep. just incredible and not it's, making it a an obstacle to have that voice 
Yeah, right. It's 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 amazing, and and you know I know we've talked uh, with the folks at Ipsa too, and all that, that Ipsa does for the independent uh, people out there like yourself who's taking oh, yeah. advantage of their programs and stuff. So anyway, I digress. I thank you, Ipsa and CMAC, and thank you to all of our listeners. And please listen to all the rest of Talking Pools episodes if you missed kelly this past monday she was in australia and new zealand she zipped over there for for a little bit and that was a great great time to listen to so maybe tune back a couple of days and pick that one up too so it was actually last monday and the monday before yeah yeah it was was neat to learn the differences that we have here and they have there like the whole plugging everything in kind of like threw me off Uh, yeah i love listening to to Peter and Shane. Well, I will listen to everybody. I honestly listen to every single episode. That's my. I drive about forty-five minutes each way to and from work, and that's kind of my my decompressing time to listen to <laughs> to everyone else uh, and and the things that I learn from everyone else. Uh, not not just everyone from the land down under, but uh, Rudy and Andrea and Wayne and Heather and and you. I mean, it's it's just it's awesome. It's great yeah. for me, as old as I am, and all these years to to be refreshed on a daily basis. So I hope that I'm does it for excited to hear about Heather's adventures now in a new state. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> our, so. our chat will be uh, zinging away. Yep. You bet. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Please like us, download us, share us, let everybody know that you like our episodes If you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Email us at talkingpools at gmail.com or you can message any of us on social media. And we will talk to you again next week. Stay safe, everyone. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 